This is Inside the Valley, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Conference, celebrating 25 years of women's athletics. Continuing to preview each Missouri Valley Conference men's basketball team here on the Inside the Valley podcast. Derek Dockett, Associate Commissioner of New Media and Technology with the Valley. And right now, uh, looking at the Northern Iowa Panthers right now, I'm pleased to be joined uh, by beat writer from uh, Cedar Falls up there uh, watching. He's seen more of the Panthers in person than I have. I appreciate uh, Mr. Clay Cunningham for joining me. Clay, how are things going up there? Oh, things are uh, going pretty well. It's, uh, you know, been a really tough, you know, schedule up here for you and I, and they, they've come out playing, they, they've come out looking strong. So, um, it's, yeah, it's been, a, been an impressive showing so far. Yeah, I've talked with, uh, I'm, I'm about halfway through this, uh, this series of podcasts and, uh, Loyola obviously getting some attention with the win over uh, Florida a few weeks back, but you and I definitely one of the teams that's gotten uh, a, a lot of the the spotlight with their significant wins, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, but I want to start with you know going into the season, and everyone sort of talked about you know what the valley was and and you know who might step up, and you and I was always sort of that team that people saw you know when with the team that's coached by Ben Jacobson, you never ever ruled them out. And the Panthers coming into this year, we didn't really know what to make of them when you lose uh, scoring uh, like they have, but they still have the talent. It's a matter of where they're going to put it together. And it seems like they came out and they certainly did put it together. And we saw that in the early part of their non-conference schedule. Yeah, for sure. It's um, well, you mentioned like, like, you know, lost a lot of scoring. They lost uh, Jeremy Morgan was essentially led them in every statistical category last year. So it was a matter of, you know, replacing all that. And it's just, um, yeah, they, they, a lot of guys have stepped up. I mean, Bennett Cook, I mean, obviously was going to have to be the leader. He's still showing a little inconsistency. He had a, you know, really tough game against Iowa State on, um, on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, he stepped up well. I mean, Clint Carlson's, um, you know, he's picking up a little bit after a rough shooting start. Obviously, I mean, Taiwan Pickford's got a lot of attention for his rebounding prowess. It's, um, it's, it came together a little quicker than I think a lot of people, and myself included, sort of sort of expected because I, I thought they'd struggle to uh, finish above 500 non-conference, and at worst they're going to be 8-4. So, yeah, it's a, a definitely a promising start. Yeah, as we sit here and talk right now, uh, the Panthers are 8-3 and three overall. Uh, the big wins that I've mentioned, uh, the course, <clears throat> excuse me, they uh, start out the season with uh, North Carolina, um, but uh, – you know what the, the the battle for Atlantis is where they really had the coming out party SMU North Carolina State and and hung with a, a really tough Villanova team that we know is nationally ranked uh, but a big win in the Mountain West uh, challenge over UNLV and significant win that will will garner attention because this is a really talented ball, ball club uh, for UT Arlington but uh, the Panthers still have an opportunity coming up this weekend on December 22nd when they host Xavier in their final non-conference game um, when you look back um, the Panthers started out the I didn't even mention the North Carolina game that was uh, the first uh game of the of the year for them back on November 10th uh which was a loss but um we said putting together quickly that battle for Atlantis they got a lot of attention cuz that that whole event sort of was turned upside down with the upsets in it and and the Panthers did their part in it um you mentioned the the players that played a significant role of, of uh you know setting the tone and who's been uh you know better than expected I guess um being consistent, that's always a key for the Panthers, I think, and, and one thing that sort of maybe helped them back last year. Um, the, the scoring and the outside shooting, I think, has always been uh, one of those things that's also been Panther uh, you know, staples, I guess, with, with, the, with the talent they've had throughout the years. 
Um, when you look now as at the non-conference season has played itself out with one more game to go, um, how do you think that's going to tr- sort of translate into the Valley play now when teams will see each other, the Pens will see each team twice? You know, that's, it, it's one of the things that's really hard to predict with this team is the shooting consistency. I think the, obviously the one that really jumps out was you mentioned the, the UT Arlington game. Um, they had a stretch where they went over nine minutes without a field goal and then immediately followed that by hitting six straight field goals, which is a big reason they won. So that's, I mean, that'll come down to it in a matter of just, you know, getting consistency, you know, well, from everywhere, because, I mean, I mean, their offense is still – I mean, it's still always going to be a UNI team. It's going to be slow-paced, ball control. That's what they want to do. Um, and I, I think, you know, the, the inside play, I mean, I, that's not something I'm worried about too much because Bennett and Clint are going to be the – that's going to be the catalyst of their offense. But I think, you know, picking up – because this team has the, the ability to really shoot the lights out. It's just kind of really kind of finding that middle ground. I think the phrase I've used a couple times is just kind of it, the offense has alternated between and unstoppable. I think if you just get like, you know, you know, just finding that consistency, yeah. consistency is going to be key because I mean, they, I mean, they're going to be one of the bigger players in the Valley. I don't think there's any question about that, but it's just a matter of like, if you're ultimately, you know, going to come out on top, I think that's going to be the key because we know this team's going to be able to play defense. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Taiwan Picker, and I, I want to get more into him, uh, newcomer for the team. But obviously, Bennett, uh, Bennett Cook, Juwan McLeod, and, and Clint Carlson, three leading scores for the team. Uh, Bennett at 14.1, Juwan McLeod at 10.5, and, and Clint Carlson at 10.1. Um, those three guys, obviously, it, it seems that it starts with, with that trio in terms of the offensive end and what they can contribute. Bennett's been playing really, really well. Um, they've started all 11 games thus, thus far. Um, when you see what Taiwan Pickford's done uh, as a newcomer, and he was Valley Newcomer of the Week a couple weeks ago as well, um, surprising that he's caught on and gotten into the flow of things as quick as he did? Um, maybe not so much from the offensive standpoint. I mean, he's struggling to shoot now, but I think they always – Yeah, I mean, the, the plan was, like, from the start was him for, for him to – uh, start as the two guard and contribute offensively. So yeah. maybe that, but as far as rebound, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, he's, I mean, what I, I expected him to have an 18 and 18 double, double um, in one game. No, absolutely not. <laughs> That's been the biggest surprise. I mean, he's, he's at nine, six rebounding now, which is a little bit of a drop off, but I mean, that's, I mean, you're not, I, I don't think anybody expected him to play, you know, at that level throughout, but no, he's, um, because that was, if, I believe they were 310th nationally and rebounding differential last year. And at one point, I don't know if it's still true, but I know that they were the most improved rebounding yeah. team in the country. And um, that's, that absolutely starts with him. And everyone I've talked, I mean, I've talked to said, like, just talked about, well, um, even when he doesn't get rebounds, he's still creating opportunities because teams really have to, uh, you know, take note of him coming in off the perimeter to be able to, to, to grab loose balls. Yeah. He's, he's done a phenomenal job so far. When you look up and down the roster, anybody else that stands out that sort of uh, stuck out as a surprise uh, uh, role player in the team this year that fans can sort of point to and, and someone that they may not have expected to be a contributor? Um, as a, I've, You can maybe say Isaiah Brown a little bit because that, that kind of uh, sprung up from opportunity with, uh, with Wyatt Lowhouse being injured. I mean, that, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't call it a surprise category, but like going forward, I think yeah. Wyatt's return. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be the big difference because um, essentially, I mean, I mean, they they I mean they've, they've had a lot of injuries. I mean, there was at one point when there was like five scholarship players 
on the injury report for them. So I think that's, I mean, it, it's coming together now. Um, I think, yeah, just getting consistency between, um, as far as I know, Isaiah is still going to be the starter now. But really those two, I think, you know, gelling well and just like giving, like whoever comes off the bench, giving them an additional scoring option as, I mean, I think that's going to be key. I don't know if I really answered your question there. I feel like I kind of <laughs> tailed off a little bit, but um, yeah, yeah, that, I mean, that that's where I think it, it stands like, with the offense right now because they really were just, I mean, a six-man rotation early on, and I think it's, I mean, you know, depth never hurt anyone. That's that's for yeah, sure. Absolutely. No, you answered. You you totally answered it. Um, okay. Now the Panthers have one more non-conference uh, matchup. They they will host Xavier on Saturday, as we mentioned, but right after that. Uh, right for for the Panthers after Christmas, there will be some Valley games, as I've mentioned on a number of the uh, previous episodes. Uh, this coming weekend, some teams will jump in the Valley play before the the Christmas holiday. Uh, but the, for you and I, uh, hosting Southern Illinois on December twenty eighth, and then traveling to Bradley New Year's Eve, and then uh, Missouri State, which should be an interesting game in Springfield on January fourth. Um, the rigors of Valley play is something that we've all talked about. We, everyone knows about uh, you know the the home and home getting everyone twice. Uh, this year, especially with the the uh, the quality of play that we've seen, it, it's been a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, the conferences, the non-conference performance for everybody across the board. Um, before the season started, everyone had their their thoughts of how the league might shake out. But now, um, especially when you see that the bottom, you know, quote unquote, has gotten better. Um, the quality of play, and I, I think the the term that everyone's saying is, you know, you got to come out and play every night because you don't know what's going to happen. We see, you know, Evansville playing really well. Uh, despite some injury injuries and Drake coming out and, and playing well. Um, how did you sort of uh, react when you see the success uh, that the Valley's had as a league uh, overall, the non-conference part of the schedule? I, I've, I've been pretty surprised. I, I think I was, um, uh, I mean, I was not, I don't know if I was necessarily buying the, you know, the gloom and doom that some people were after Wichita, Wichita state left. And we, I mean, we can't, you know, kid ourselves into thinking that's still not a big deal but i mean like it's sort of like the it, it, i mean it, it has been impressive because even yeah you mentioned i mean you, got, you have illinois sitting at or illinois state sitting at six and six with two sec wins i yeah. mean you have you know indiana state and drake with power conference wins obviously the loyola one even i mean even with florida struggling right now that's still impressive um as we before we've recorded this it was before the evansville duke game so if, if, <laughs> if, if this if this is released um, and, and we're uttering lack of surprise of about an Evansville upset. Well, no, the timing didn't didn't pan out. So right. just 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 know that we're shocked if that happens if they win at Cameron Indoor. Sure. But um, regardless, um, yeah, it, it has been it has been a nice showing. Um, and it, it has. I mean, I think we all knew it was going to be pretty wide open. But I think now you say that with a little more optimism because you know. Um, I mean, obviously the RPI ranking is is nice, and um, it, it is going to shape out. I mean, I I still have my ideas for like who I think the favorites are, but I mean, I mean, it, it, there's been some surprises, and I think yeah, we could all be open to you know more going forward. Well, and you 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 jump right into what I was going to ask you now. Uh, take your preseason poll uh, if you want, throw it out. Uh, but now what you've seen from you and I included, uh, Northern Iowa obviously has. They may they may be the team that's you know best positioned in the league now with the, the quality of the league's RPI and their team RPI of of having uh, the ability to be in the conversation for at large. Um, but when you do look at the, the rest of the valley, how do you see uh, potentially like the top three? Give me your your top three in the valley of who might uh, you know be be up there on the, the upper division. 
You know, if I was my top three, it's um, well, my preseason poll I had Missouri State one, Loyola two, you and I three. I think I, I, I think I have seen enough. The UNI team has impressed me. I think I will flip one and three because um, they they have looked the most impressive to me. I think the most consistent, at least. Um, it was. I mean, I, I think maybe a little reactionary because I thought Loyola kind of had a bad loss on Saturday, but I think those are still the two most dangerous teams, and I'm still. Um, yeah, Missouri State, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been disappointing. I mean, they've been a disappointing team a little bit, just really just like with their strength of schedule. And obviously the Oral Roberts loss was a, kind of a, a bad one. But that I, I still, I mean, they still got the best player in the league, most complete big man in the league. I, To me, those three teams are separate from everyone else. But if I had to pick a favorite, I mean, I, I am leaning you and I right now. It's, um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they got, you mentioned they, they got Missouri state, you know, early then they've got Loyola there immediately after. So, I mean, we're going to, I mean, I mean, there's definitely a chance for them to give themselves some early separation, but, um, yeah, it's it, it it it's a fascinating turn of events. It'll be intriguing to see how everything plays out. Yeah, I was going to say that if, if anything, we're going to learn more about those three teams right away because uh, Missouri State and Loyola will play on on this on the twenty second on Saturday. They, they, we will oh, yeah. find out about those two right away at, at, at what kind of level they're going to be at. And then, uh, as I mentioned, you and I will have Missouri State on January fourth, and then right after that, they will host Loyola. So uh, we're going to see. You know, this this is going to get interesting, and, and plus, hopefully, for a lot of the teams, including uh, Loyola and, and teams like Valpo, uh, Southern Illinois, so many injuries around the league. This has sort of been kind of unusual where you've got so many insignificant injuries for a lot of different teams. Hopefully, some of these uh, student athletes can come back healthier and can help their teams, and we can continue to see the quality of play. Uh, at a high level around the league going into uh, January, February, and, of course, heading into Arch Madness. So, um, well, Clay, let, let the folks know how they can uh, uh, follow you online and read your uh, your stories about the Panthers. Okay. Um, yeah, I have my Twitter handle is at CJCunningham3, and um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, it's not beneath me to, to beg for new followers. <laughs> I'm desperate, so please, please, the listening public, I'm, I'm imploring you. And I, I, I'll throw all dignity out the window. Please. <laughs> I like it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I, however shameless I can be, I will. And also, um, yeah, you can uh, follow um, our, my my work is published at wcfcourier.com. Um, yeah, always looking to boost online traffic there too. So there, that's my, that's my self promotional kick. <laughs> Before I let you go, one quick question: I've been asking everybody around the league this question. Uh, so with Valpo being in the Valley, a uh, new beat writer for, for, for Valparaiso, Paul Oren, uh, wanted to know, and, and for their fans, of course, as well, if they decide to make the road trip to come to Cedar Falls and the, and the Waterloo area, if you would recommend a, a local establishment, a restaurant, they were to get a, a meal, a bite to eat pre or post game, uh, what would you recommend? Um, hmm. This is this always like reveals how poor my taste is. <laughs> um, that's um, all I ask. Is uh, that it's not a chain restaurant. That's all I ask. It's not a chain restaurant. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, where? <laughs> that's uh, you know what? I, um, and that's right. I'll be editing too. So if you if you want to pause to think about it, I'll, I'll be okay. Able to, no, to make it you can put every hum and haw in there. This is uh, really. I usually just come home and like. Uh, eat something I've bought at Hy-Vee. Like, can I promote Hy-Vee? That's a big deal here. That's sure. what people 
I'd never even heard of Hy-Vee before before I moved to Iowa and now. So, they, so yeah, I'll keep it local community. Yeah, yeah, you find your local Hy-Vee and then buy like uh, I don't know a Smart Ones frozen dinner. That's uh, <laughs> I will bet you any sum of money that is the worst answer he's gonna get. It, it, it might be, but I will say you work in because Hy-Vee is a, is a sponsor with the Valley and promoting a wonderful well, Arch Madness contest. So fans go to Hy-Vee and and uh, look for the go by the Purina Dog Chow uh, display. There'll be a tear pad for an Arch Madness ticket discount and things like that. So Hy-Vee is, a, is a proud seamless. partner with the Valley. So there you go. But I, I know I've got they call that vertical integration. Isn't there you that, go. Like, that's a business term I picked up watching 30 Rock reruns. So. There you go. There you go. Well, I know I got a place there in Cedar Falls. It's a place called Whiskey Road that uh, I've seen before when the Panthers did their uh, Panther All Access uh, of, uh, show a couple years ago uh, when the team had their really successful run. I, I, I visited there before. It's a pretty good place, a, yo- a local place there that I really enjoyed uh, uh, getting a bite to eat. So uh, I'll throw that out there for Paul and the UNI fans. Whiskey Road there in Cedar Falls. So. Okay. okay. Oh, uh, the the other place there. That's pretty good. That's. Uh, I don't know if they're still open late at night. I don't know their hours of operation, but uh, yeah. I like it. I like it. Well, sir, I appreciate yeah, your time. It came back. <laughs> I appreciate your time, sir, and thanks so much again. And uh, uh, hopefully, uh, we can see some good quality basketball heading in the new year. And uh, uh, good. Hopefully for you, that means uh, quality writing as well, following the Panthers all year long. Yep. I, fingers crossed. Yeah. It, 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 it'll be interesting to see. All right, sir. Thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. A tradition all its own. The four days that start the madness. Ten teams, one goal. This is the Valley. This is St. Louis. This is Arch Madness. Make your plans for the 2018 State Farm MVC Men's Basketball Championship March 1st through 4th at Scott Trade Center. Presented by Fox Sports Midwest. For tickets, call 800-745-3000 or visit archmadness.com. The Missouri Valley Conference. Celebrating 25 years in women's athletics. Turning our attention now to the Southern Illinois Salukis, uh, talking about the Missouri Valley Conference men's basketball as we uh, head into conference play. The Salukis currently, as we chat here on Wednesday, December 27-4 overall. The Salukis 6-1 and one at home, and right now I'm pleased to be joined by a uh, beat writer from the Southern Illinois, Mr. Todd Hefferman. Todd, thanks so much for hopping on the phone with me. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, this has been interesting for me because as I've, I've been able to watch all the teams on ESPN3, getting uh, the viewpoints of people that have uh, seen the team up close and personal and seen uh, what they've been through in the non-conference part of the schedule is really educational, especially uh, I, I previously had done these interviews uh, before the season started. You sort of don't really know what you're looking at, but now that we've had non-conference play and, and the league as a whole has had some success, it's interesting to look at where each team is heading into Valley play. And the Salukis, uh, just like other teams, for uh, uh, intriguing in a lot of different ways. Of course, they've been hit by the injury bug. I talked a lot about that with some other teams as well. We can touch on that. But first, I'm just curious, uh, on a global scale, when you look at what the Salukis have done non-conference uh, so far, what's your sort of uh, thought on what uh, the season's been like for SIU? Well, I think all things considered, they're they're sitting pretty well at 7-4. and four. Um, I think they very easily could be you know 9-2, and two, maybe even 10-1. and one. With the Louisville game, the only game that that I think they could play ten times and they would lose ten times, but they, uh, you know, they started off with a really good road win at Winthrop when yeah. they didn't even know who they were going to start. They didn't even know who they're going to have available, and Armand Fletcher, who I who I think has to really have an all conference type season for them to be great, 
uh, you know, was fantastic on, on half a knee. So I thought uh, that was a really good win for them. And I think Winthrop will, will turn it around, you know, late in the season and have a lot of wins. And then they've, they, they lost a close road game at Murray State. I thought they could have gotten a lost a close game at St. Louis. I thought they probably should have gotten. Um, and, and then they lost at home to SEMO uh, when SEMO didn't have their top two bigs. So that was really – that was a real disappointing loss. But, they you know, they really turned it around. They, they put three games together, which everyone hoped they would, and now they're going to Nevada um, to play Nevada uh, in, at a neutral site in Las Vegas on a, on a Friday and then Duquesne who's playing pretty well on Saturday. So not having Teak Bowl, you know, not having Marcus Bartley, their starting point guard for the first six games, you know, they really stuck together without those two guys and they got Bartley back and then they had, and then Fletcher hurt himself and now they're, they're losing their shooting guard, their backup shooting guard, Eric McGill. Um, but, you know, Derek, they, they just judging by last night, they didn't play a great team, but they, they made open threes, which they haven't all season. And if they can be just a little bit better at that, uh, they have a good enough team, even without Teak Bowl, to, to win some games here in the next month. Yeah, I, I'm curious to know what Barry's uh, been saying about keeping this team together, uh, barring uh, you know with the injuries notwithstanding, because um, you know this is a team that you, you sort of thought would be on the upswing and, and, and the preseason part and and going coming into this year, but then the injuries uh, pop up and you know that stuff happens, and it's happened to a lot of Valley teams this year. Um, the Salukis have been uh, one of the more uh, injury bit ones, along with Loyola and and some other teams like Valpo. But they've held it together and have a winning record in non conference play. But has has there mentally been any letdowns there? But if you take out just sort of the wins and losses themselves, Barry keeping things together. Yeah, I think I think they're all regretting uh, the Semo loss, but I think they've they've really tried to focus at the defensive end the last three games, and I think that's something they can travel with. You know, even when Bowl is not there. Um, and, and they really started to get after people, I think, on the perimeter a little bit more. You know, Barry recruited some defensive length the last two years, and he's starting to play those guys at, at positions that I think has been pretty successful. They've been pretty good from the three-point line defensively, so they've uh, and they've rebounded fairly well, uh, even without Teak, who I believe is their top returning rebounder. So, the, you know, KB on Pippen's just been a, a real godsend for them. Sometimes, most, most times, Juco guys take – weeks sometimes months sometimes not even until their second year yeah. where they're really effective where you hope they would be and he's really been lights out since the beginning and and they can't get him the ball enough right now and and he's got to be a, a focal point of everybody's defense when they play him so they're they're kind of trying to figure that out how they can play with him and how they can play you know small ball what they're starting to do now with with Fletcher playing a, a hybrid forward position who's only six five, but he has really long arms and, and is really strong so he can rebound and he can play inside a little bit. So they're, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of learning how, what they can do, but I think they've, they've focused on the defensive end, which they can travel with and they've done well with that. And, and I think they've got to put a bigger focus on that going forward. I'm glad you brought up uh, KV on Pippen. Uh, he's been Valley, uh, uh, a weekly award winner here a couple of times already this season. Uh, his 12.4, uh, points per game is third uh, best on the team uh, behind Armand Fletcher at 13.9 and Sean Lloyd at 12.6. Outside of Pippen, anyone else that sort of stands out that sort of uh, maybe or, or, or surprised you coming in this year that's really sort of uh, been a little bit more of a role player and, and, and stepped up where uh, the Slugies have needed them? 
Well, I would say Aaron Cook. I mean, okay. I expected Sean Lloyd to have a big year, but I, but I thought Cook, you know, just played a little bit, played as a backup most of the year. You know, didn't really show a ton of offense. He, he really improved his jump shot, and he's one of their top three-point shooters this year. Um, he's he's really done a good job of attacking the basket and, and, and can handle it a little bit better than I think he could last year. He's always been a great on-the-ball defender, and now they're playing him at, at basically the shooting guard spot, and he's been terrific. You know, the last five, six games, he's been terrific and, and really been always been a, a strong defensive player for them, so he helps them on the perimeter that way as well. And he rebounds fairly well for his size as well. So he's he's been a little bit of a surprise. Pippen, you know, I had high expectations just with his numbers and his size and what you know what everybody wants from a six ten center, and just the way he he plays like a big man. I mean, if you've never seen him on film, he he, he rebounds the ball that keeps it high. He doesn't bring it down to the to your waist like yeah. so many high school guys do their freshman year. You know, everything is above his head, so he he keeps the ball where only he can get it. Everything is towards the rim. He doesn't shy away from contact. Um, they they haven't had a player like that in a long time here. And I, I've had this beat for almost 10 years. You know, Randall was that way, Randall Falker. But really, nobody since Randall has really ever been that way. So that's that's been a change for SIU. And not a lot of players in the Valley really have a guy like that either. So yeah. I'm hoping – I think they're hoping that will pay big dividends once they get into league play too. Yeah, those players that can be a difference that other teams may not have uh, could really uh, come in handy down the stretch there, uh, especially when you start seeing teams the second time around and then get them, get them into the, uh, the conference tournament. The Slukies, after you mentioned, as, as you mentioned, they're uh, heading to Vegas for a, a tournament with Nevada and uh, taking on Duquesne there. Um, they will start conference play December 28th. Uh, at Northern Iowa, which will be a, a good test there. And then they'll host uh, Drake on December 31st and Evansville at home uh, on January 3rd before they uh, visit Valparaiso on January 6th. That's their first four uh, Valley games. When you, What you've seen thus far of the rest of the league outside of SIU, uh, what's been your interpretation? The Valley's non-conference uh, uh, performances pretty well, and the league's uh, conference RPI has been floating around uh, seven, eight, eight as of late uh, in terms of a conference RPI and things like that, but uh, your your interpretation of what the league as a whole has done so far? Yeah, I think I think the the RPI is a pretty good a pretty good indicator. I think in, in some ways, in other ways, it's it's a little hard to, to read because some injuries. You know, Evansville's ten and two, but they played a couple non D ones. They're missing their top two guards right now for the next couple weeks. Uh, Drew Smith and Ryan Taylor. And you know I haven't I haven't really been impressed with their schedule, so I'm not I'm not real, you know my my opinion on Evansville really hasn't changed much. Or Loyola as well, they've had some injuries to deal with. They've had some good wins. I, I thought Northern Iowa's played the best schedule and played the best against it. Um, so I I was a little impressed with their, them to get a couple wins that I didn't think they would get. Um, I I I thought Missouri State would be far and above the deepest team in the league. And I think Bradley's playing really well. I thought Bradley would be would be a little bit better, but not not nine and two or uh, ten and two. I think is what they yeah, did today. Yeah, win today. They won today. So you know, Drake's had a couple good wins. I thought that would be a long process for him this season, but they've had some good early season wins. And and Illinois State uh, has played some tough teams. Um, Indiana State, I think, had a had a, had a good win earlier in the year. Um, they had the Indiana win in the first game of the, of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. And Indiana's not the same Indiana. Right. That's, a still, sure. that's a still a huge victory for, yeah. for the Sycamores after last season. 
So, I mean, I think the Valley, I, I think a lot of things with the same thing. Um, I think every team in the league has some holes, but I, but I also think, you know, I think SIU still has a chance to be in the top five. I've been really impressed by Valparaiso's uh, numbers and, and how they play and, and how Loyola plays um, with the uh, Crutwig. Now having Cameron Crutwig, having a big man that can pass like he can and, and, and can score like he can, that's a difference maker for them because of all the pieces they have around him. So I've, I've been impressed with the strength of the league. It's a little bit, little bit stronger than I thought, and, and the teams I thought would finish near the bottom have, have had their moments where they've looked like they could, they could uh, compete for the top half as well. So I'm, I'm just as excited about the race as everyone else was before the season. I'm curious to know, you've been around the league a, a long time, and, uh, you know, with what, what and there's nothing, you know, take nothing away from what Wichita State's done in the past, but the, the, the level of competition of what we could see this year in terms of the league as a whole of, you know, going back to the years where uh, three, four, five losses in league play uh, was a league champion just because that's the way it was. You think we see something like that this year? No, I think I think the league race is going to be the champs going to have two or three losses, okay. maybe maybe four. Okay. You know, I think it'll be closer to like that because I because I think you know if you ask me who's going to win the league, I would still say either Missouri State or Northern Iowa, but I could see you know I could see Valparaiso winning it. I could see Loyola winning it. I could see Southern Illinois winning it. So I think it's just uh, it's you're going to learn a lot the first half because I think SIU is going to get Teak back, and I think uh, Illinois State's going to get their their seven footer back. I don't think he played very much in the last yeah. game, but they just got Elijah Clarence back, who Dan Muller was really high on in the off season, and Keyshawn Evans is playing like the player of the year, and so that's they've got some weapons too. So I think I think you're going to find out a lot the first eight games, nine games. Um, and I th- and I think we'll just see where it is, but I think it's going to be a close race, and I think the champ will have a couple losses this year. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you you said that because Illinois State to me is one of those teams that are, their their record that won't necessarily show it, but they've got some real talent. And Malik Yarborough uh, almost had his name into our record book as the, the next player to get a triple double coming up just short in that game against Ole Miss that they just played recently. So it'll be fun to see uh, the first half of the conference season, the race, how it uh, pans out. So. Well, Todd, before I let you go, I've, I've been asking everybody uh, for the benefit of Paul Lauren and the Valparaiso fans, their first year in the league, of course, uh, if they were to travel and make their way around the league and if they were to travel with the Crusaders when they make a trip to uh, Carbondale, if you were to pick a, uh, a local establishment or a restaurant for Valparaiso fans and the beat writer Paul Oren to visit in Carbondale, uh, where would be your, uh, your recommendation for those fans and for Paul to check out in Carbondale? Well, I would say uh, I would say Mary Lou's for breakfast. It's kind of like a downtown place right off of uh, South 51 there. And yeah. I would say either either Pinch Penny for dinner or for after after the game, or um, you know Buffalo Wild Wings. I think I would say those two. Mm-hmm. Um, Pinch has you know Pinch has the campus flavor, but if if you're not interested in uh, a little bit louder place, a little bit more crowded place. You know, Wild Wings is always open late. There's not a lot of restaurants in Carbonell that are open late. And Mary, Mary, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mary Lou's Grill or Harbaugh's Cafe are two great breakfast places that have been here for 20, 30 years. So right. I would, I would see those, those three or four. There you uh, go. Give you some options. All right, we'll make sure uh, Paul sees those and I'll add them into the description of the podcast. I appreciate it, sir. Let the folks know how they can uh, read your uh, your writings and follow you online. Uh, yeah, you can find my stuff at thesouthern.com. 
um, on Twitter. I'm at uh, at T Hefferman, and um, you know we have stuff there almost every day, either post game stuff and and uh, before the game. So come check us out. All right, sir. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Have a good holiday. All right, you too. Thank you. The administrators, educators, coaches, and fans of the Missouri Valley Conference expect nothing but the best from their teams. And the Valley student-athletes take pride in exceeding that expectation. On the field, on the court, on the track, and in the classroom. Celebrating academic and athletic excellence for more than 100 years, this is the Missouri Valley Conference. Continuing to preview all 10 Missouri Valley Conference men's basketball teams. Right now, we turn our attention to the Drake Bulldogs. And right now, I'm pleased to be joined by the voice, the radio voice of the Bulldogs, uh, Mr. Larry Kotler. Coach, our coach. <laughs> Larry, thanks for taking time for for uh, joining me. I appreciate it. And and how, hopefully, uh, things are going well up in Des Moines for you. Well, they're doing okay. I don't think you want me to coach. Uh, we have a good <laughs> Nico Medved is doing a terrific job. He and his staff, which include Dave Thorson, who is the winningest uh, coach in the history of Minnesota high school basketball, joined on staff. Ali Farokmanesh, of course, from uh, Northern Iowa years ago. Uh, he's on the staff, J.R. Blunt. And they're doing a great job with this bunch, I must say. So, we're, you know, hey, things aren't, haven't been going as well lately. Uh, we've dropped a few games, but. Uh, we're ready to try to turn it around come Valley season starting next week. Yeah, absolutely. One of the unique things with the Bulldogs this year uh, as compared to all the other teams is the, the coaching change with Nico Medved mm-hmm. in there in year one. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, what's happening there. But I want to be sure to hit on uh, this. The whole point of me doing this series of interviews is talking about what the, what's been happening in the non-conference part of the season and how the teams progressed uh, heading into league play as that gets underway here for some teams before Christmas. The Bulldogs will start after Christmas with Bradley. Um, mm-hmm. But – um, the Bulldogs have had some success, uh, you know, despite the the the, la- the latest string of uh, uh, coming up short. But they have a big win over Wake Forest, and they've got five wins in the non-conference part of the season. And, and no one really knew what to expect with a, a new system coming in place there. But um, they've had their share of success in the non-conference part of the season already. Yes, five and seven right now, which is certainly a lot better than last year. Uh, we were supposed to go to the Virgin Islands for the Paradise Jam, but obviously because of the hurricane down there, we ended up playing in Virginia instead at Lynchburg uh, at the home of Liberty University and actually did well there, finished third in the Paradise Jam, beat Wake Forest by three points, and that was a big win over an ACC team, over a Power 5 team. And that was a, a game that in which this team told me that they were not to be denied. They just felt like they were going to find a way to pull this thing out, and they did. Played a close game with uh, Colorado, lost by five to them, and then beat Drexel overtime, uh, in a double overtime in a thriller. Uh, so the Bulldogs came out of that tournament, uh, played well, uh, beat Chicago State. Uh, had some trouble on a three-game road trip. Omaha lost to, at Omaha, lost at Wyoming, another double overtime game, uh, and then lost at South Dakota. In fact, we played we played twice in South Dakota this year. Derek and uh, we've lost twice. And I was telling somebody the other day, I said, I don't think I ever want to go back to South Dakota. <laughs> so those teams are good. Those teams are yeah. tough league teams. Very good. You play them on the road. They are tough. Um, the Bulldogs, another game that really has folk people uh, excited here is, was the game at Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, Bulldogs went up to Minnesota, led the Gophers most of the way, ended up losing by one in that game. But that woke up a lot of people and said, hmm, you know, this team has its capabilities when it plays to uh, you know, to its strengths. Uh, then got beat by Iowa the other day, th- uh, twenty six points in the uh, in the Ivy Classic, and then uh, lost the other night at South Dakota State. But this team, the problem with this team, if there's a problem, 
we're small. Uh, we basically play four guards and one post, and even the post is not that big. Usually the six eight or six nine. So uh, the other four players are six two and under. So we're just undersized, and that means uh, we don't have a lot of room for error. Yeah, yeah. But what it also means one of your one of your strengths uh, up there at the Bulldogs is shooting. And uh, looking at yeah. the stats, uh, Reed Timmer, of course, uh, leading the way his preseason All Conference selection. He's been great for the Bulldogs in his tenure there, uh, scoring nineteen point three points a game. Deontay. Uh, McMurray at 11.7 and Graham Woodward at 10.9. But one thing that pops out to me when I look at the stats is Reed Timmer's 50% from the uh, three-point beyond the arc and and Graham Woodward at at 46% himself. When the Bulldogs are hitting those shots, they're really, really tough to beat, and and those two are obviously leading the way there. Well, there's no question about that. D.T. McMurray can hit the three-point shot. Oriaro Gondade has picked it up uh, in recent games. Uh, C.J. Rivers can hit the three-point shot. And some of our big guys, Casey Slaughter and uh, Nick McGlynn, can pop a three from time to time. So we are capable of hitting the three-point shot. The problem is you can't either live by it or die by it sometimes. And yeah. if you're not hitting, like the other night against South Dakota State, when we were 4 of 16, you kind of die by it. So uh, you want to be able to hit those shots. I think really one of the keys, Derek, for this team is turnovers. Uh, when we win, in the five games that the Bulldogs have won, they've averaged nine turnovers. In the seven games they've lost, they've averaged about 16. So that's that's a big point of emphasis for this team. We have, Again, we don't have a lot of room for error because of our size disadvantage. Uh, so we have to hang on to the ball, uh, and we also have to do a better job of rebounding. Now, we've done that early you know we struggled a little bit the last few games uh on the boards but again that's against bigger teams so our team has to just fight 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 and that's why i call them the battling bulldogs but boy you're right if we're hitting those three-point shots we are tough to beat yeah when you look up and down the roster and the individuals that are uh, uh making a, a difference in this team is there anyone that sort of st- stands out to you as they progress the non-conference season someone that sort of popped up and like wow this guy's been surprising and and really been a key player for the bulldogs um not really so much that. Um, you know, we all know about Reed Timmer, obviously. Uh, a guy that I really like is C.J. Rivers. He's not a real stat grabber in terms of, you know, he doesn't score a whole lot. He had 12 in the game the other night against South Dakota State. But the thing about him is he just works so doggone hard. I mean, he's doing the little things. He's, a, he's getting assists. He's getting rebounds. And he's about 6'2". So I, I love watching T, uh, C.J. Rivers play. He plays so doggone hard. We have a couple of freshmen who are making a difference. Uh we have Noah Thomas, who's in from Sydney, Australia. He's lightning quick, and when you see him this year, uh, you know sometimes he gets ahead of himself a little bit as a freshman, but he's going to be a terrific player. We have another freshman by the name of Jalen Gibbs, who had a big game against Omaha, uh, 16 points in that game. These guys are just learning it all. So these are guys that we're not real deep. We go about nine deep at most. So those are a couple of guys who uh, we're going to really need to count on. But other than that, we have veterans. Nick McGlynn has stepped up his game this year. Um, yeah. McGlynn uh, had a couple of double-doubles early on and and uh, has been averaging in double figures. And, again, he's our one post, so he ends up going against guys a lot bigger than he is. And the same thing with Casey Slaughter. So uh, not a lot of big surprises on this team, but just guys having to step up. What have you learned about uh, Coach Nico Medved and his style watching through the non-conference? What's been the thing that sticks out to you about how he goes about his business? Well, I think one thing, I like the model of the team. It's called Team Together. And this team has bonded with him from day one in the summertime. I watch, I go to workouts and watch them and talk to some of the players. They really like uh, what Nico brings in. Uh, he's fairly, you know, a little younger in his 40s. And uh, this staff is very passionate. Yeah. And they teach a lot. 
Uh, the other thing I like about the positivity, always talking positive. There's rarely a negative comment made, whether it be in practice or not. It's uh, everybody thinking positive, telling people what they can do, believing in themselves. This program has to learn to believe in itself. These players have to learn that. When you've won only 14 games the previous two seasons, you don't believe in yourself. You don't know how to win. This team is learning how to win, but Nico always stresses positive. Dave Thorson, uh, who's kind of a wild man out there, but in a very positive way, uh, always teaching positivity. Uh, I mentioned uh, Ali Farokmanish is a terrific teacher. J.R. Blunt, same way. So uh, I just love the passion that they bring here, and I know that as the years go on and they get their players installed, this program is really going to grow. Yeah, terrific staff there. He's assembled there uh, to work with them with the, with the Bulldogs. Uh, as, uh-huh. we, as we mentioned, uh, the conference plays right around the corner. The Bulldogs will start off uh, hosting Bradley uh, December 28th, and then they will travel to SIU uh, December 31st, New Year's Eve, and then back home uh, to host Illinois State on January 3rd. Um, the, the conference and non-conference part season, the, the big part of the attention has been the success and non-conference part of the play, and, and the Bulldogs have that win over uh, Wake Forest. They played well against Minnesota. Um, and right. as I've been talking to some other other beat writers and radio guys, the, the, the tone that I've been getting is you're going to have to bring your A game, a game every night because you see Evansville had some success in the non-conference. You see even Drake. No one expects the, – the, the, the thing is that the bottom of the league has gotten better, and that's a great right. thing to see the quality of play at the bottom at, all across the league uh, a step up. When you look up and down the valley, and I'm, there's a lot made about preseason picks and all that kind of thing, um, what do you think about just the league as a whole where we stand uh, today as, as we head into conference play? Wide open, Derek, wide open. You know, with the loss of Wichita, and frankly, I hated to lose Wichita. I hated to see them go. Uh, the great, uh, you know, they gave the league a lot of attention, and they're a standard bearer for this league. But having said that, when you look at this league, it's wide open. It really is. Northern Iowa's played very well in the non-conference seasons. Obviously, Loyola has been terrific. Evansville, Missouri State is the preseason favorite. Uh, other teams have played well. But you're right, top to bottom, there are no easy games in this league. You can't go into any game and say, oh, this is, this is an easy win. And I say the same thing because people will look at Drake. And Drake, you know, has finished in the bottom of the league the last two years. But I'm sure that the, op- the opposing coaches are going – uh, when they tell their team to say, hey, you can't take this team for granted. And that's what's going to make this league so much fun this year, Derek. Every game is going to be a war. It's going to be a battle. It's going to go right down to the wire. And, I mean, at this point, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's no, again, in previous years you could go, well, Wichita's the favorite, and they're probably going to win the league. You can't say that this year with anybody. Uh, again, Northern Iowa's played very well. Missouri State's the pre-conference favorite with uh, Johnson, but uh, I love it. I, I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, Bradley is up this year. They're, I think, 9-2 and two or 8-2. and two, I forget which, but uh, I look forward to playing them with my good friend Dave Snell on the call for that. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about conference season. Yeah, as are we. It should be a fun uh, a winter to go through it and see how this all yep. plays out in the league. So, well, before I let you go, I want to be sure. So, with with the new member Valparaiso in the league, I've been sort of asking all of our uh, the folks I've been talking to uh, for a suggestion: a local uh, establishment or restaurant. Uh, if Valparaiso fans and Valpo beat writer Paul Warren, as he makes his uh, first tour around the league. Uh, to to check out for pre or post game meal. Now I have my su- personal suggestions, my personal favorites in the Des Moines area. But I'm curious for you if you would uh, recommend a, a something for Paul and the Valpo fans. What would you suggest? Yeah, I got the perfect one, and they're one of our sponsors, and they're actually close to the uh, Nap Center, Jethro's. Okay, uh, Jethro's perfect. Probably, that has to be the place. I know uh, 
when Tom Ackerman comes in with the Valley, he always yep. goes over to, <laughs> but they do terrific barbecue. Again, they're one of our sponsors, but I don't say it just for that reason. Uh, and they're close. The proximity is very close, but I would definitely recommend uh, Jethro's to all those folks. That, that was definitely one I was going to throw out there. And also the Drake Diner is a, a, a staff favorite here in the conference office. The, the milkshake at the Drake, Drake, Drake Diner is a Jack Watkins favorite. <laughs> no, there's no question. I'm not sure how late they're open, though, like after yeah. a game. I really don't know. So after a game, you're probably going to have to go over to Jethro's. But yeah. during the day, you go over to the Drake Diner. But you know what? There are a lot of great eating establishments around here. Absolutely. Um, Des Moines is really booming. It's growing, a young professional city. So uh, a lot of good places to get food. But, again, Jethro's is close. Yep, yep. Well, Larry, I appreciate your time, sir. Thanks so much. And uh, good luck to the Bulldogs rest of the way. And hopefully you have uh, some fun calls on the air to, 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 to see the Bulldogs have some success. Well, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping so. I like screaming and yelling when the Bulldogs are, are winning a ball game. And go Bulldogs. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good holiday. You too. Thanks, buddy.